one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We have merch. Check out the AmericanGlutton.net shop. We've got T-shirts, hoodies, hats, and more. A number of people have come up to me wearing American Glutton merch, and nothing fills my heart with more pride than seeing somebody in one of these T-shirts. And I've been stopped on the street and asked where to get it when somebody sees me in an American Glutton hoodie. Well, you can get it all at the shop on AmericanGlutton.net. And my favorite T-shirt, yesterday it was tomorrow, right now, is up now Get it while supplies last. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show... Please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Today on the show, I'm talking to Dr. Taz about her book, The Hormone Shift. Please enjoy. Dr. Taz, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. I am a father of four girls and oh, wow. the grandfather to a granddaughter. Wow. And I have a wife. So I am terrifically interested in, <laughs> I want to say chick stuff, but some girls don't like chicks, but all my, my wife and my daughters are cool with chicks, but like girl stuff, like, yeah, it's very hard for me. Like, I think honestly, if men underwent something like menopause, we would have so, and, and this is just my gut instinct. We would have so much better data on what was happening and like solid scientific courses of action. And when I pay attention to it, because 
my wife is right on the precipice of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems very cluttered, this space. But then again, like I've been on every diet and I think diets are pretty unclear totally. and there's lots of crappy yeah. ideas around diets. So it's probably just like that. Um, but I'm fascinated to talk to you about girl stuff and especially like the change of life. Like this is such a big yeah. deal. Yeah. How old are your daughters? I'm curious. The oldest is 27. The youngest is 16. Okay. Gotcha. You're, you're right in there. I have a 15 year old as you know, as well. So yeah, I think the landscape of women's health, right? Women's health and hormone health is super confusing. I think a lot of the conversation got shut down. Really, honestly, if you take it all the way back to the 80s, where we had the Women's Health Initiative come out, and that study basically made everybody scared of hormones. Hormones kind of became a bad word, and women were terrified to even bring up the conversation around around hormones and hormone health. So I think you take that incident and you merge it with this association that women over 50 are old, they are kind of expired, like who would want them? A lot of hormone conversations are around getting pregnant or having a libido of some kind and losing your hormones hasn't really caught much interest. But here's what's changed. Women over 40 now, a lot of times they're just hitting their prime, right? Like they are finally at the point of their career where they feel like, you know, they're they're where they work so hard or study so hard to be. They kind of, a lot of them are just starting families. That's the reality of today. Like no longer do you have people that have had children in their twenties and, and they're kind of slowing down in life. Many people are just getting going. And so women are now pushing back and saying, look, like I've got you know, we're not dying now till like past 80, 90, 100. I've got another 30, 40 years to go. I want to feel good. I want to feel good and I want to look good and I want to be in my power. And I don't want to be this caricature of the person that I used to be. And so I do think like many things, you know, people are are sensing sort of this angst amongst women over 40 and over 50. And a lot of noise is entering the space, a lot. And it's leaving everybody super confused. And I think where I enter it, because I've got, you know, now over 15 years practicing integrative and holistic medicine. So really having a different approach prior to that, I was working in the emergency room. I'm an MD, you know, conventionally trained. So my vantage point is a little bit more rounded is probably the way to describe it. More holistic. It's not linear. It's not like you have this symptom, take this. You're This is happening with you, do this. That's not kind of the way I see it. And what I'm doing is bringing in a lot of what we have learned from thousands of years of study from Eastern medicine, you know, Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, all these really old systems of medicine and merging it with our technology. You know, we can check hormones, we can look at the body, we can understand what's going on. There's so much great tech nowadays. So putting those two pieces together, I feel like I've got a powerful tool to really help women understand themselves and understand their physical being, right? But also understand how that's playing out into their emotional health, into their mental health, into just their overall energetic health and how that looks to someone like you, like to your partner, to your father, to your brother, you know, how are you guys perceiving us? Because hormones can literally you know, F us up, you know, I don't know how else to say it. They can totally take over your brain. They can take over your gut. They can turn us into different people. And when it comes even to looking at relationships, it's interesting. I've been studying this, like, 
you know, in a marriage, for example, uh, there's a hormonal rhythm to marriage where in the first few years, you know, there's all this uh, dopamine and all this serotonin being produced. And it's like happy, happy, and a lot of love, a lot of oxytocin, right? But as those wear off with the course of time, you know, and the stress of raising a young family typically sets in, the higher cortisol levels, you know, change a woman's hormones and change a man's hormones too, you know, and then you further it along the hormone depletion that women experience, but men also experience that to a certain extent changes the nature of the relationship, you know? So understanding what's happening with our bodies is essential, not just to being healthy or getting a check mark at the doctor's office, right? It's a lot about how we present ourselves in the world, how we feel, what we're going to choose, how we are interacting with our relationships and our partners, and kind of the course that our lives are going to take moving forward. Yeah, the, the first thing that you that uh, you said a lot in there, and my my mind was kind of popping on. Yeah, yeah. But like my wife had our first kid when she was 20. And yep. at the time, she was definitely uh, way younger than most moms. Right. But not by 20 years, certainly. But even today, we come to today where we're now grandparents and she has some friends who are still really contemplating having a kid or having another kid where I'm like, oh, my God, (laughs) I didn't think that that still worked in our mid to late 40s. I thought you were done, 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 but apparently not. And so that's like wild. And yeah, the idea that women are done at 50, like, well, your life's all over. You got to retire and you're of no more use. That's just crazy. Like if we if our average lifespan is continuing to get longer and longer, I think in America, it's shrunk, but not for women, for men. Yeah, yeah. But we've got a lot of years left, a lot of vital years left. I don't know why we would just get rid of all of that. Um, And it it does seem to me now, look, I'm a dude. And so like my interactions with social media, I'm sure are the algorithm bases it on what I look like. I don't look at a lot of girls, right? you know, in fairness. So I'm not getting fed girl stuff, but the advertisements for male hormones are prevalent there. And I see, I I see billboards for them. I have never once seen hormones for females advertised. I've never seen a billboard. I've never gotten an ad sent to my phone about this. So to me, it really does seem like we have solutions for men, for aging men who want to stay vital. There's lots of solutions. We know what to do, basically. Um, But do you know, like, is there a proven track record of what a course women can take? No. And I think, and even, I would say even for men, I feel like the reason you're seeing all of this is because you guys are a little simpler, right? Like there are a couple, there are two or three major hormones to deal with, probably four testosterone, thyroid, cortisol, and insulin. And as long as we're kind of managing those hormones, then, you know, we can stay on top of your health. Women are a lot more complicated. We're shifting, we're fluid. We have seven major hormones, but we actually have over 50 hormones. And so I think what the medical system wants to do and what business likes to do, and I've experienced this as I've tried to grow my practice in some of my business is what everyone wants is a very simple, like linear path. Like you have this, therefore do that. 
you have this, therefore do that. It's a straight road. You don't have to think too much and it's easy for everyone to administer and be done. Here's the problem when it comes to women. And I would argue a little bit that I even think men are being do, are, are getting a disservice with the way they're getting hormones currently. But with women in particular, you know, there's a lot going on. There are a lot of different hormones at play. There are a lot of different risk factors at play. You've got women in different roles of life. You've got women with different genetics. So simply saying you're having hot flashes, night sweats, mood swings, whatever, take this patch and this pill is not fair, you know, because they may not metabolize those hormones very well. They may not have the right gut health or liver health to break down these doses of hormones, which have been standardized. They may actually, they may be like me where they need, need like spit doses of hormones to help them have clinical improvement. And instead they're given these heavy doses. And the next thing, you know, some patients do okay, but others are having like breast tenderness or weight gain, or they're, you know, foggy or feeling like they're pregnant again, because they just have so much hormone in their system. So I think, you know, everybody wants things to be easy and quick and linear. And for women, what we really have to get our heads wrapped around, we don't work that way. We're very fluid. We're constantly shifting. We have about five major hormone shifts throughout our lives. It's really important to track and to test each shift to understand what's going on and then to build a life around that. So if you're having a hormone shift, there's a way to eat, you know, there's a way to exercise. There's certain nutrients that work. There's certain herbs and supplements that work. And if you're going to ignore that and go straight to, I'm going to do this medicine or this medicine, and that's going to be the answer. It's not going to solve all the issues. And that's what we've seen over and over again in practice at Center Spring MD. So I guess the short answer to your question is there's not a clear path for women. I think it's been mired in confusion because you have studies that keep contradicting each other. You have experts that keep contradicting each other. You have an industry that wants to make money doing things like pellets or whatever else. And so as a consumer or as a patient, you're like, I don't know what the heck to do. So I wrote, you know, this book, The Hormone Shift to really arm everyone, every woman in your life, your daughters, your wife, everybody of every age. Cause I feel like the hormone journey really begins at 13, you know, if, and the stage might've even been set earlier, but transitions all the way past menopause. And so every woman needs to understand that she is shifting where she is in that shift and how to take care of that shift. And this is before we even talk about whether we do or do not like hormone replacement therapy. So that's the purpose of writing this book is that every single woman that you know can take it, know what levels to check, you know, know what their dominant hormone pattern is, know how to sort of balance it and replenish it using very gentle modalities, and then be able to make that decision. Do I need hormone replacement therapy or not? Now, men, while they're easier, they kind of deserve the same approach. You guys have a lot of issues with gut health and liver health and nutrients. And then someone comes in and gives you 200 milligrams of testosterone every week. It's not a guarantee that it's going to be used the right way in your body, right? So technically, like, I feel like my next book should be a men's health book, but, but I feel like you guys need a little bit of the same approach, although you're easier and maybe there are not as many side effects because there are not so many players involved. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's unfortunately, you know, like I, too, am guilty of just wanting the simplest, most yep. straightforward answers. But like, if I'm being honest, the thing that I've most proud of is of accomplishing is like maintained weight loss. Yep. And and if somebody on the street walks up to me and says, how'd you do it? The Like. 
how long do we have really? Oh, I'm in a hurry. I have 30 seconds to answer you. And I'm going to say, I'm so sorry to say this. And it's both true and a lie at the same time, diet and exercise. And I'll see you later. And it is true and a lie at the same time, because the reality is like it required an entire transformation of my entire of my life Mm -hmm. um, with a lot of nuance that wouldn't necessarily be applicable to anybody else. And so I imagine what we get to the level of hormones, it gets even more complicated. And so eating or exercising for a specific change that's happening you know, I'm kind of of the mind today, again, as a dude, like hard exercise will cure anything for me, no matter how I'm feeling. If I'm feeling happy, it will make me happier. If I'm feeling sad, it will make me feel good. If I'm sore, it will make me feel better. If I'm tired, it will wake me up. If I'm wired, it will make me go to sleep. Like, but that's like a lot to lay on somebody's shoulders and not necessarily going to be a cure all for them. Right. And I think you stress the importance that we all have bio-individuality. And I think I'm a huge believer in exercise too, but when it comes to women with hormones that are, again, bebopping all over the place, you know, if you've not slept, if you've had hot flashes, if you had night sweats, you know, um, and then we send that person out to do heavy weight training or hit their, or hit, or like one of these more intense workouts, we're actually depleting their hormones further. So we set them up where, okay, they may have some improvement in the first six weeks, but then they crash back out and then they lose motivation. So they're kind of in, in point one. So that's a big difference, I think, or something that I would describe about women is that, you know, their hormones often need to be balanced after 45, 40, 45 or so for them to have sustainable weight loss and to be able to build muscle effectively. And we've seen that. I mean, I've done, I don't know if you're familiar with the in-body, which is a kind of like a structural view of the body and it'll tell you the percent body fat and muscle mass and all these other things. It's like a DEXA scan. Kind of like it, you know, uh, probably in the same lines of things, but we do that in practice at Center Spring. And it's been interesting. Women will bring me, you know, their in bodies and I'll take a, or we'll do them and I'll take a look at them. And, you know, they'll go on a diet and exercise regimen, no change, no change, no change. I put them on hormones and that's when we finally see a shift, you know? So I don't know if you've been in this situation, like where you and your wife might do a detox or a new diet plan of some kind. You know, most couples that do that, the husband or the male will instantly drop like five to eight pounds, depending on how long they're doing it. Their belly shrinks, you know, their face changes and the women it's like two, you know, three pounds. It's very, very minimal. They don't have this dramatic loss. And it's because again, of the hormone factor that's playing into their overall metabolic health plays into you guys too, but not as strongly as it does for women. You know? Yeah. No, I've seen firsthand because I, I have, and maybe I'm wrong and we can talk about this, but I have been super encouraging of my, my wife to start resistance training. All of her yeah. exercise it tends oh, yeah. to be cardio based. And I'm like, do a little bit like it doesn't have right. to look like what I do at all. And it's really much harder for her. She gets really sore, can't do it. And for me, I'm like, if I'm sore, I just do a lighter version of what I did yeah. to work out the lactic acid. But I have noticed it any change for her re- requires quite a bit more effort than yeah. it does for me. And yeah. and to me, I'm 
I, I in my head because I, I really have no idea what's going on. I'm just going like, well, you have less muscle mass and, you know, your body's not operating on testosterone like mine is. So that, that's all I think. Well, your, you know? your answer is correct. And, and if she is, you know, late 40s going into 50, then she's having depletion of hormones and that's impacting her ability to exercise, her endurance through an exercise routine, and then her ability to build muscle. But you're absolutely right. For women who are in perimenopause and menopause, we talk about weight training. We really, I mean, I was one who fought it. Honestly, I, I fought it. I was a yoga, Pilates, like, let me get outside and walk. I'll do the spin bike. I'll do everything else except weight training. My poor husband, like from the time we were married, like, let's go work out. And I hated it. Like I hated it. I was like, this sucks. And then finally signed up with a trainer. This was like maybe five or six years ago, signed up with a trainer, had to drive 20 minutes to go to the gym and then 20 minutes back, you know, just with traffic and everything. I'm like, I don't have time for this, you know? (laughs) So I pushed back on it, but now that I've gotten actually had, you know, it's funny how life teaches you lessons. I had ruptured my Achilles about, you know, seven or eight months ago playing squash with my son. And obviously it took me out of all Pilates, yoga, all of that business. And as I got my mobility back, I turned to weight training and I've been weight training since June. And the changes in body composition are like this compared to what I was doing before, even though my hormones are all over the place. Right. So as long as I have slept and I'm eating consistently, weight training works and it builds muscle and it builds energy and all this other stuff. At some point, I'm probably going to need a little bit more hormone support, right? But for women who are not sleeping, they're hot flashing, having night sweats throughout the night. You know, they're eating really inconsistently. A lot of grazers, right? I'm going to grab and pick constantly. A lot of women that are eating a lot of salads and veggies, but they're not getting the protein in, you know, they're in what we would call in Chinese medicine, they're in a depletion state. So they're not, they don't have the raw material to make muscles, to make hormones, to have energy. We need to build them back up. So they're not going to see weight loss and they're not going to see a change in belly fat until they get those numbers where they need to be. And then when they go to do resistance training and all this other business, that's when they get the big payoff. Yeah, I do encourage and try to serve because i do a lot of the cooking uh, my wife yeah heavy doses of protein yeah um and and there is some pushback on like you know six ounces of protein seems like an astonishing amount a ton of food yeah right when i can easily eat a pound of protein in a meal like no problem um you know that's two and a half three big chicken breasts and i can get that down um but uh about sleep Sleep is something that I notice for my wife is really hit or miss and probably is becoming more miss. Hmm. What are some of the things that women can do to to, to get better sleep? And this again, I don't know that everybody's having this problem, but it does seem to be something that somebody in my life is experiencing. Yeah. And I think that it's a, it's a big one because again, what's happening for a lot of women is progesterone levels go down and then behind that estrogen levels come down. And both of those help to calm the brain down. They're anti-anxiety. They help with relaxation. They help with the sleep cycle. So as women start to lose those hormones, it's a lot of like popcorn sleep, right? They're waking up throughout the night or they're waking up between two and four o'clock in the morning and they can't, you know, then they're wide awake and, you know, just miserable as the day unfolds. So there's so many options. The toolbox for that 
again, when we combine Eastern and Western medicine is, is pretty big. It's everything from just simple nutrients, like getting enough magnesium at night, avoiding a lot of alcohol and sugar right before bed, because we think there's a blood sugar component to that waking up as well. Um, adding in what we call adrenal adaptogens that help to bring the cortisol levels down. So that's like holy basil is one of my favorites before bedtime. Ashwagandha is one I'm sure you've heard about. That's another one that I, I like using magnolia bark. These are things that help to bring down that cortisol spike. So for some women, holy basil, is this stuff I could just get it like a whole foods? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Holy oh, basil. I've heard of ashwagandha. What was okay. the last one? The last one is magnolia bark. Magnolia bark. Okay. And I love it. You know, these are all things that can just kind of blunt you know, that cortisol spike and help her to both fall asleep and stay asleep. So for a lot of women, again, before we even talk about their hormones and they tell me they're up all night, I'll do magnesium plus one of these adrenal adaptogens. Not all three. I was thinking not all three. concoction. No, no, no. Yeah, here, like take all of it. Yeah. No, I usually pick one and like, we'll try to find the concoction that works, but magnesium's a universal and then maybe one adrenal adaptogen. Is there a type of, of magnesium you suggest? I do. For sleep, I like a magnesium chelate okay. or a magnesium glycinate. Those are okay. my favorites. And it's usually around 200 milligrams is a good starting number. Some women need to go up higher to about 400 milligrams or so. But those are my favorites. And then, you know, the alcohol sugar, we think it's spiking their blood sugar in the middle of the night and then dropping it at some point. So they start to get the hot flashes and the night sweats or they wake back up as that, you know, blood sugar is going wonky a little bit. So really watching that and I'll start them there. I'm like, is that enough to get you to sleep through the night? And if the answer to that is no, from there, we'll move on to, okay, what else can we do? And there's so much they could start acupuncture that kind of starts to tone things down. They could do a lot of meditation or mindfulness work. Sometimes that will help the cortisol levels to come down. Or we actually have a conversation about hormones. You like you might need to be on some bioidentical progesterone and a little bit of estrogen as long as your body can metabolize it well, and that ultimately will help you with falling asleep and staying asleep. And now, for that, they got to see a doctor, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, they need to see somebody, and that's usually a prescription, right? Okay. Because if they've if they can't do this natural, if the natural stuff isn't carrying them through, right? Then sort of where a lot of providers end up is like, do you need a pharmaceutical to help you with sleep, or do we need hormone balancing? My preference is hormone balancing because if she were to track her sleep through all of this, you know, we really want her to get about 90 minutes of deep sleep, 90 minutes of REM sleep. That's what's going to help her to wake up feeling really well rested. It's also actually going to preserve brain volume. One of the things that happens to women as they lose hormones is the brain volume actually goes down. So they experience a lot more cognitive delay, a lot more brain fog, memory, all this other stuff. I have all these high powered women that are like, I I can't remember. I don't remember the name of, you know, they're like stuttering. And so that's the depletion of hormones. So by helping them sleep deeply, you're helping brain regeneration and you're helping sort of with that overall cognitive piece that many women struggle with too. So the hormone decision is, is in there. Do we, or do we not need to go on these? If we've kind of walked through all this other stuff, food, gut health, you know, diet, looking at nutrients, trying, you know, def gentle little herbal supplements, trying things like acupuncture. If we've done all that, you know, then the hormone decision is the next decision. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that you've built a bridge of three big steps before you get to something like 
Totally. Sleeping pills. Yes. Um, Which I don't like, honestly. You know, I've only taken them in fairness when I was a drug addict and I've been sober quite a long time and I, I didn't even take them to sleep. I took them yeah. because they were fun to take. And so yeah. the idea of that for me is off the table entirely because I'm sober. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think my wife would definitely not want to do that. I mean, she, she's been having some difficulty with sleep for a while and she's never once mentioned thinking of sleeping pills. And so right. um, I, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because I'm, I'm going to start talking to her about implementing some of this stuff. Good. 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 Yeah. She doesn't need to suffer. I think that's the biggest message, right? Like, you know, for your listeners, whether it's their wives or their girlfriends or whoever, or even their daughters, honestly, like understanding hormones and hormone health is a foundation of health. You should get your hormone levels checked. You know, you should know where they are. And there's no reason to suffer. There's no reason to think that, oh, it's because I'm getting old. Therefore, this is happening. You know, I really wrote the hormone shift as a hormone manifesto, almost like a hormone Bible, so to speak, so that people could like hold on to it and like understand what was happening with them and then ask for and advocate for kind of the, like the right test for them to do in the doctor's office. And I think when you have that knowledge and that understanding, then you feel great and you're able to do what you're supposed to do. Like, I don't want your wife to suffer. There's no reason for her to be going sleepless night after sleep. It's not good for her, you know, to go night after night without sleeping, then to come over here and wonder why she's not losing weight. Because when you don't sleep, your blood sugar's up. So then you're working against this issue. And then a lot of times women, their normal reaction, you know, as they're going through this is okay. They're not sleeping. They're super tired, but they're going to power through, right? That's a common phrase. So they're going to starve. And they're going to overexercise, which then makes the whole adrenal cortisol access even worse. And so and it's harder to sleep when you're hungry. It's harder to sleep. And then blood sugar goes up even higher. So just the physiology of that, we want to break. We want to be like, I need you to sleep. I need you to eat. Then I need you to work out. And they need to be thinking about it in that order. It's such a conundrum, too, because um, for me, I was very much heavier than I am now, like almost 300 pounds heavier. And I know like. If somebody came to me today and said, I'm at square one, what's the first thing I should concentrate on? I would say, like, how do you sleep? Like, that would be my question, because even today when I don't sleep well, staying on my plan, which isn't even really a caloric deficit, it's like just maintaining, which I'm not really hungry. I don't feel fatigued from Mm -hmm. a lack of food. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's almost impossible when I'm sleep deprived. It it, like, I'm just so much more hungry. And so But I also know when I was very overweight, I had sleep apnea and didn't sleep much at all, wasn't getting any sleep. So it's like tough. Um, But I think sleep is vitally important. Do you sleep well now? Are you sleep great now? Yeah. 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 It makes such a difference. It's such Such a difference. Yeah. I think that's the, I really feel like that's the foundation because the more we understand about sleep and how it impacts blood sugar and insulin and so much more, um, I feel like you can have a conversation around weight loss or around brain health or around motivation, all these other things, anxiety, if you're not sleeping, you know, And I wonder if some of the mental health stuff that we're seeing right now is simply because so many people are like scrolling constantly. They're up all right. night. They're not sleeping. They're losing, you know, their minds, you know, so. Um, so no, there's all kinds of stuff with the blue light that's emitted yes. from our phone being kind yes. of poisonous to us, too. And it's inflammatory. It like yeah. We have images that show when you use blue light, there's more inflammation in the body, you know, so it's changing the brain, you know, yeah. So these are all things we need to be aware of for yeah. sure. What about, so we've, we've talked about sleep and, and the importance of sleep for weight loss, simply because of what happens to the blood sugar. What, what, what about other factors with specifically women who are having hormone shifts and, you know, to your point about multiple hormone shifts, I've, I've now seen four girls experience their period for, for the first time. And then for <laughs> years after that, right, right. All four had vastly different experiences Experiences, it hit them all very differently there's one of them who to this day i never know when she's not overly emotional she's not expressing pain constantly and then there's one of them who it's you know it's like the world is ending every month and it's it's like really horrible for her and i don't think that they're just have different pain thresholds they're having very different experiences so the fact that these changes are happening, you said five changes for a woman, mm-hmm. five major shifts. What are some of the things, how does that affect weight loss outside of sleep? Sleep is vitally important, right. but because, you know, for me, if I go into a slight caloric deficit, the weight comes off oh, pr- pretty right. easily. If I go into an extreme caloric deficit, it comes off so fast. It's crazy. My wife, it it is a lot more work for her. And here's why. And let me ex- explain that. And this is why I want women to get their hormones checked because every woman does have a unique hormone pattern. And I talk about that in the book, to in the uh, hormone shift, I talk about it. And I actually have some exercises to help women try to identify which hormone pattern is theirs. And of course, data always helps. But, you know, 
we talked about sleep and blood sugar and we know blood sugar and insulin are kind of like the weight hormones, right? When those numbers get off or too high, that's where we store belly fat. That's where we have visceral fat. That's the fat that's really stubborn, really hard to move and everybody gets frustrated. But for women, they could be eating the way they're supposed to eat. They could be exercising the way they're supposed to be exercising. They may have mastered the sleep piece, but if they are storing estrogen, meaning they're estrogen dominant, or if they have thyroid instability, a thyroid that's either too high or too low, or if they have high androgens, which is a subclass of hormones derived from testosterone, then they're all going to struggle with weight. And all three of those hormone patterns come back and feed into this insulin issue and make insulin levels higher, make blood sugar levels higher. So imagine a woman who's trying to do it right, getting the protein in, trying to do all these things, but nothing's changing. Well, she needs to understand if she's one of these three or four different patterns, because if she is, there's a plan. If her thyroid's sluggish, then she probably needs some thyroid support, right? If her estrogen is getting stored and she's holding on to it, she's got the heavy breast, the breast tenderness, she's got bloating, she's getting migraines, she's you know, getting depressed, all these different things, then she needs help breaking estrogen down or she might need some progesterone to support her. And if on the other hand, her hormones are getting shunted, the little bit that she has is getting shunted and she's starting to get really high t- free testosterone levels and DHT and her hair's coming out, she's getting acne, then she needs androgen blockers because the androgens make the insulin go higher. So that's why women sit here and struggle, whereas men are like, okay, you know, calories in, calories out, I'm happy. The problem for women is that medicine until recently has been primarily male, right? So many of them had male providers. And so they would go in and tell the story of like, Hey, I'm eating right. I'm exercising. I'm not losing weight. Well, the guy sitting over here is like, I don't believe you, you know, in their head, right? They're like, there's no way you're eating right and exercising and you're five pounds heavier than you were last, last week. Now, sure. Maybe we can say the patient's not being completely honest, but if we haven't checked their hormones, we're doing them a disservice because what if that patient really is doing what they're saying they're doing, but you know they are storing and holding on to estrogen or their thyroid is super sluggish now because they've had that hormone shift that no one's picked up on and they're sitting there just feeling bad about themselves constantly. So that's why calories in, calories out doesn't work for women. They really need a more well-rounded picture of their health that takes into account multiple, multiple factors, sleep, food, gut health, you know, the ability to break hormones down and then their hormones. And then they can look at weight. You know, if you've got that part taken care of, then you can look at calories and calories out. But most people don't spend the time and energy investigating that and then get super frustrated. And now what we've seen, as I'm sure you know, is like they get frustrated, they get down. And then guess what everyone's asking me for? Ozempic, Wegovy, like that whole class of medications, right? Because their buddies did it and lost like 12 pounds in two months. But you know what everyone's not realizing, that weight's gonna come back. You're married now to that medication for X amount of time because the way the medication works, it's actually damaging the gut. It's like, you know, really messing up the gut lining and slowing down emptying time. So, you know, it's not a good solution, you know, yeah, it- I, l- listen, in fairness, I think for somebody who's morbidly obese, who's yes. been morbidly obese yes. for Absolutely. 20 plus years or however right. long, it doesn't really matter right. who, who just can't 
cut. That's who it's for. On a diet. I yeah. yes, I do think it's a good solution for somebody I, who, I, and who I has agree. put their best foot forward. But I but I will say also, I happen to know a couple of people who have gone to clinics and been given a yep. one month dose of. Yep. Wigovi. And I'm like, I don't, I think, and I've not done scientific type research on this, but I don't think it even starts to get effective for six weeks. So like the fact that somebody's selling you a month's worth of it seems like almost malpractice to me. Uh, Not that I, you know, but, and then the second part is to your point, all it is, is making a crash diet less hard or less unpleasant. So, So, the idea that you do this and you're done, I think most of the people who are opting for that have done crash diets and been disappointed when the weight comes back. Comes right back. Yeah. And I agree with you. And I and I agree, by the way. I think if you've got over 50 pounds to lose, you know, even maybe over 40 pounds to lose, you know, the body gets really stubborn and, and it's very hard to move that weight. So that is who this medication is for. But that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking right. about you know, the woman or, or even the male who's, you know, who has transitioned, you know, in andropause or menopause and now has a new 10 pounds or a new 15 pounds or even 20, let's go up to 20 that they never had before. And, you know, they're getting pressure. It's, it's interesting. And there's almost like this, like peer pressure, high school level peer pressure for women now in perimenopause and menopause, right? Because you've got a group going on the medication. You've got a group not wanting to go on the medication. There's a beach trip coming up. You know, I literally was told this by a patient, like I can't get in my swimsuit in front of all my girlfriends. They're all doing Ozempic and I'm not, and I'm not losing weight as fast as they are, you know? So now we're creating this, like this weird dynamic, you know, where, which to me is not the healthiest. It, it wasn't meant for that purpose. It was, no, really- I, I believe We're going to even see a fatter, more overweight society because from my own experience, when I would do a a crash diet, I would then wind up heavier afterwards. It's your metabolism up, right? It's like you're messing the microbiome up. You're messing up blood sugar stability. So then the body's like... I need a store, you know, yeah. so I, everything. I yeah. think long-term, maybe we some, see some morbidly obese folks finally lose that weight. And that's amazing. But I think that that's not the primary way that this is being implemented. And we're going to see all these people who had 15 pounds to lose suddenly need to do it three or four cycles a year. Yeah to lose 20 and then 22 and then 25 pounds. And I, yes. that's what I think is probably I think you're right. I think you're absolutely, I mean, cause we're still new. We're not even a full, we're maybe at about 18 months of this craze right now, maybe even at 18 months, but like, you know, so we don't know the fallout yet, you know, right. so it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but, you know, going back to, you know, this age group of women, like they start to get a little, panicked, you know, like, oh my God, I've got belly fat. Oh my God, what's going on? Like, and to your point, like they try things and it doesn't work. I think what the message we want to put out there is the reason it doesn't work is because there may be a hormone block and that hormone block might be the root of the sleep, the mood, the energy, the cognitive component, and so much more. So really solving that and then walking into a diet plan and an exercise plan is the right sequence of events, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, unfortunately, 
I think I see with the group of gals my age, there is still, even though I've talked to them and we've had conversations about this, like, hey, the the on and off dieting now for the last 20 years and you're opting to do this radical plan that drops your calories down to 800 calories a day because you know you see a result. But then you're back here every year talking about redoing that. I I understand the the instinct to lose those 20 pounds through Ozempic because it's just more pleasant than the 800 calorie a day diet without Ozempic, because maybe you're eating 800 calories a day, but it's, it's not miserable. Life doesn't suck as much. So I understand that, but I do think to your point, the conversation that's more useful or practical for long-term is like real changes that are going to be able to be implemented forever. Definitely. And I would encourage your audience too to think more natural because there are herbs, for example, that cut food noise down, right? There are supplements. What? That Tell me, food. what are the, what, like, listen. So I love, I mean, I'm sure you've heard of these. So berberine, have you heard of berberine? I'm not, I don't know oh anything about these. I, like I need to send you like a little pack, but anyhow, berberine is amazing. Berberine Can we get that at Whole Foods or? Oh or, yeah, okay. yeah. And a lot of this is like on my practice website and stuff like that. If anyone wants to go check that out, but berberine is a natural metformin is what I'm calling it. It keeps blood sugar nice and stable. So for a lot of people, it cuts food noise down. Another one that does is NAC and acetylcysteine. That's a derivative. That's sort of an indirect derivative of glutathione. Glutathione also helps to cut food noise down. So this like craving, this desire to like eat at the end of the day, all those different things, like these are some natural things that can actually help that. Um, another one is an Ayurvedic herb called gymnemina. You know, that's another one that's super helpful. So a lot of times, you know, I'm encouraging patients to try that type of thing first. And you're big into protein as am I, and then really work on the protein. Some of that will just calm down the need to eat, right? Like the need to keep eating over and over again. That need to eat is part trying to get a dopamine fix and part trying to regulate blood sugar. That's what that need to eat is, you know? And so there are some natural things that do it. So I always put a plug in for those because I feel like they don't have the side effect profile and they don't have the rebound that like some of the medications do. Yeah. I like to talk to people also about the um, hedonistic pathway Mm. of hunger where your body's not, which, which it's probably dopamine that you're getting mm-hmm. from that, where it's just so prevalent and, you know, you, you go into any store, you know, quite literally any store in America is going to have food for you oh, totally, or yeah. calories, um, yeah. gas and the computer store and even the furniture store. I, 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 I've said this so many times, people are probably annoyed to hear it, but I want to tell you this anecdote again, my wife and I went into a very high end furniture store. And I was like, gosh, this is all so expensive. I don't want to buy anything, but I'm so happy that there's no food here. And she said, no, no, they offered me chocolate covered strawberries. (laughs) And I was like, of course they did. Um, did. uh, Because we can't go anywhere without eating. Um, But there is that aspect too, where, you know, I've found for me, and I don't know what it would necessarily be for somebody else, but at the end of the day, if I sit and watch TV, I am going to get much hungrier, but it's not real hunger than I would if I found some busy work to do. Totally. Um, 
And if I spend my day retail shopping at these stores that provide food, just seeing all this food all day long and walking by the food court in a mall, my I'm going to want to eat. I'm going to be, you know, walking through an airport is like the most hunger I've ever experienced of the last few years because I'm not doing anything. I'm going to be sitting around not doing looking at a phone or looking at a tiny airplane screen and there's food everywhere all kinds of food everywhere yeah. and so those are considerations to, to think about too where you can have um an incentive to eat that has nothing to do with hunger i agree and i and i even sometimes i've noticed this for women in particular that hunger is a little bit of an emotion and people have different responses to hunger. So a lot of women, when they're super stressed, are actually not hungry. Right. And so they don't eat for hours on end, right? And others, when they're super stressed, they want to eat everything in sight. So there's this emotional component to hunger that we need to be aware of. Our, our uh, hormones, by the way, play into that. When our hormones are imbalanced, those hunger cues are completely off. And so I teach women a lot, and we talk about this in the book with the 30-day reset plan, is to stop really paying attention to hunger, just eat consistently, you know, like eat every four hours, cut off eating, have a 12 hour overnight fast at least, because that way you're, again, it's about blood sugar, right? You're keeping blood sugar nice and regular and you're not riding the highs and lows of hunger, which may be accurate and which sometimes are not accurate. You know, I mean, my sweet husband has the same issue, right? And he, he's noticed this. He actually was very overweight, lost a ton of weight, um, and still kind of will fluctuate a little bit, but when he's away, right on a, on a trip away from his practice and like the day-to-day -day stressors and stuff like that, he's not hungry. You know, he'll eat one meal, two meals a day, has tons of energy. He comes back, he's having home food, prepped food, but he's dealt with 12 hours of whatever he's dealt with, right? Walks in the door. He wants to eat everything in sight. He's seeking a dopamine fix. He's been overstimulated all day long. So now he's seeking a dopamine fix. So his hunger, dopamine is triggering his hunger. It's like, I need help. I need help. I need help. He wants to eat everything, you know? Yeah. And so he's like, why does this happen? I'm like, it's your stress. And so one of the fundamental pieces for for men and women i think when it comes to weight and belly fat and all these other things is to understand that we're highly overstimulated and in that overstimulation if we're not making the time for mindfulness for self-care for de-stressing time hunger is completely unreliable yeah. you're not hungry you're stressed out you know and so it takes a while for the brain to understand the difference between that when we go back to women or men whose hormones are not balanced, those hunger cues are even more skewed, you know? So low progesterone, sugar cravings, high estrogen, carb cravings, you know, a sluggish thyroid, you just want to eat constantly, you know? So all of this is very interconnected to our chemistry. So, you know, as, as we talk and, and weight, by the way, is probably one of the top three or four complaints that come into the practice over and over again. So, and, you know, as we continue to kind of battle that issue with patients, we're trying to sort through what their blocks are. You know, do you have a hormone imbalance? Are you eating foods you don't tolerate very well? Are you hyperstimulated? And that's why you can't regulate, you know, like what is it that is driving this and teaching the body you need to stay in sort of a, a metabolic storage mode? Cause that's essentially what's happening.
Yeah. And like that, that's the body's safety net. Like the body is going to opt to do that when it can. Yeah. It's a savings account of energy. Why, you know, um, it, it, it is odd that it presents so many problems for us when we're rich with energy. I know. Uh, it can be complicated. When you talked about those three different types of um, for gals, I cannot remember the scientific names. I cannot wait yeah, yeah. to scroll yeah. back and, and re-listen to it. I don't want to make you say them again. But I, I noticed I found my, I would evaluate my wife and say she sounded like the middle one. Like okay. I could, I could see those uh, attributions. She, not all exactly, but are the, are the natural ways of beating those three different things very different? Or is it like you said, eat foods that don't disagree with you, take a 12 hour gap to let the blood sugar steady out. Is it, or is it vastly different from one? It's to not, next? it's not vastly different. There are some nuances for sure. For each of those, again, in the book, we have a 30 day hormone reset plan that walks. It's a, I think it's like 12 or 14 steps, but you get to step six it's pretty universal. And then at step six or seven, it starts to branch out that if okay. you're this pattern, this is what you do. If you're this pattern, this is what you do. But if people don't know where to start, because we want people to have actionable steps then it is that eat every four hours, get 20 to 30 grams of protein in roughly every four hours, have a 12 hour overnight fast. Just doing that, you're building energy, you're stabilizing blood sugar as your hormones are doing whatever they're doing. So that's the starting point. Then from there, we build off that a little bit, right? So we may say add more healthy fats. If you're dealing with like low progesterone, if you have a ton of stored estrogen, that is driving a lot of cravings and things like that, then we'll say add more fiber, add more cruciferous vegetables. It helps to break that estrogen down. If you're having a big thyroid issue, then we want more iron and uh, high selenium foods in that supports the thyroid iodine. So that's how we're making that differentiation. But the foundational plan is very much about intervals of eating, getting the protein, getting the B vitamins and magnesium, because all the hormones need that. And then from there, we start to customize it a little bit. And then once all of that's balanced and you have somebody, are you then, if somebody's goal is weight loss, restricting food a little bit, or are you hoping that just that balance will naturally sort itself? There's out? some natural restriction that happens with balance. Right just naturally like, like mcdonald's have, is no part of this don't product. want it like right. okay me let's talk about me like you know it you know i have moments of high stress right because i do a lot or whatever and so my greatest weakness this is familial right my mother does this i do this and i'm seeing my daughter do this too we love our tortilla chips right okay. it's a weakness potato chips and tortilla chips so my mom started locking her she's now 70 plus she puts hers in the garage so that she has to walk to the garage to go get it and you know i like many women you know would go into the pantry like in my head thinking about things processing grab a few not thinking i'm eating too much because it's just a little tiny bowl right well once i got myself together and really pushed the protein and really got on the right supplements and stuff like that and got my hormones like I didn't want it anymore. I don't want sugar. I don't want chips. I don't, I don't want that stuff. That stuff naturally went away. So the idea of calorie restricting, because I have to do the math 
is not necessarily where I am anymore. It's more, it's more like I am to that point. You've probably seen a lot about intuitive eating, right? Yeah. You can only intuitively eat when you're balanced. When you're not balanced, you need a plan because your intuition is off, right? So now I'm at the phase where I'm like, I'm not really hungry. So there are nights that I don't eat a lot of dinner. I just try to eat enough to get my protein grams in, but I'm not really hungry, you know? So yeah. like, why am I eating this, you know? So with our patients, like, we'll see kind of the same pattern. Like there's a natural level of self-correction that happens when you're balanced and you've taken care of your whole health. So you don't have a litany of medications and supplements that you're dependent on, right? But that's a journey. That doesn't happen overnight. That's like the the truth and the lie that you're talking about. So that journey, you know, it takes different people, different amounts of times to get through during that journey, they need support. And that support may look like something that helps them manage stress, helps them manage appetite, helps them manage their energy, whatever that needs to look like. But ultimately people get there, you know, because it's one little lesson at a time that the brain starts to recognize and you're able to carry the ball forward. Yeah. In intuitive eating, the first time I heard about it, I was like, that's such a terrible thing to tell people to do. Right. It's right. the worst idea ever. Awful. Yeah. And now, in fairness, years into like focused uh, approach to eating, I basically do intuitively eat. Correct. Because like, you're balanced. You know, meals are all protein heavy. Yeah. I yeah. get, I have fiber with all of them. And, right. and then with carbs and fats, I play with it a little. It's like, Early on in the day around a workout, I have a little more carbs and a little less fats. And towards the end of the day, my fats are higher. And on Sundays when I don't work out, less carbs and more fats all day. And like, and I'm not really thinking about it that much. It is kind of now what I do. Five, six years ago, this never would have worked. This, You know, I didn't even know how to eat to, to satiety. I didn't know because I had trampled on those cues so much that like, I didn't know when I was full, I ate really fast and I didn't balance my meals. Yeah. Yeah, And so like, it took a long time to be able to go like, I don't weigh my food. I'm, I'm eyeballing it and I'm not gaining weight. And I'm shocked that I'm able to do that, but I am. Um, and so I basically am now into you are intuitive eating, but it's, that's a journey, right? It was right. A journey. for me too. It was a journey to get there and be like, ah, this is what's going on. So that journey takes time. And I think we have to be really gentle with people and patient with people, but, but when they're looking for structure, you know, just that reminder, like balance your hormones, sleep, eat consistently throughout the day, have, you know, push the protein. Like these are things you can do, right? These are things you can do. And then if you need added support, that's when you start thinking about some of these other, other ways of doing stuff. Yeah. I do think, unfortunately in the day and age with Ozempic and Ambien for sleep and all of this stuff, it's like people want to just be told, don't eat carbs, right? you know, and that will solve everything or like take ashwagandha once and you'll sleep perfectly and you'll never yeah. have to think, you know what I mean? They yeah. want, but it is, it is quite a bit of work. And I, um, I'm excited to get into some of this stuff with my wife and I, I can Good. already see like, uh, it's yeah. a practice. It's like, you know, we'll, we'll try this for six weeks. And- Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Right. Totally. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. Health is a journey. It's not a destination. It's a journey. Right. And I think that we have to embrace that. And it's like anything, when you work at anything, there's a payoff. When you work at your health, there's a payoff too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Dr. Taz, thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Nice to meet you. You too. And now for the Q and a, So today's question is coming from none other than myself. Hi, Paige. Hey. (laughs) So I recently went to get a facial. And at the facial place, where they also do lots of other cosmetic things, the beautician, nurse practitioner, not sure, was like, here, read this pamphlet we have about peptides. Hmm. You can come in and you can get you can um, get these peptide injections or take them home and do it yourself. And it promotes, is what she said, promotes losing fat. And of course, she stressed a thousand times, it's not a replacement for eating well and exercising. But I was just curious because she gave me a ton of information, which I've, you know, really yet to like fully understand. But um, it seemed like a harmless type of thing. I was just curious if you had an opinion on peptides in general. I, I I mean, I feel like that's like saying, do you have an opinion on drugs? There's, oh, Okay. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, cause some drugs are super useful. If I have an, uh, a strep throat, I certainly want to take an antibiotic, which I believe yeah. is classified as a drug. Um, and then some drugs are like crack cocaine, which I find to be not great. Um, in fact, I think there's many drugs that are not great. And then many drugs like my daughter has type one diabetes and is on, uh, insulin. And has been since she was four. It's keeping her alive. And I thank God that the pharmaceutical company is producing it every, like every day. Maybe not quite every day, but quite often. I'm like, thank God somebody is manufacturing this stuff that's keeping my kid alive. Yeah. Um, so I think in the same way, there are certainly peptides that can be beneficial. I know there's some that like will uh, promote healing 
I'm sure there's some that will stimulate, but I, I think the difference between like a peptide and a steroid, and I could be totally off here, but, and hopefully if I am, somebody will correct it. But I believe the difference between like a peptide and a steroid or a drug is that like where a steroid will bypass your, your endocrinology and just deliver whatever your endocrinology is producing, the steroid will just deliver that to your body, like uh, testosterone or other kinds of, you know, things like that. Or in the case of um, prednisone or any of these things that are classified as steroid, it's like delivering something to your system that your system should be otherwise producing. Okay. And a peptide, I believe, is trying to stimulate that part of your system to produce more of that thing. I believe that's what it is. I could be totally wrong. Well, you're right. Obviously, we could research this in depth and any person out there. We're not doctors. I'm just having a conversation of like, I went to get a facial and someone told me to take these peptides. So yes, let's look it up and like really know. But she was explaining that, for example, one of them promotes, it. it's not human growth hormone, but it helps your body produce more of its own human growth hormone. So what you're saying right. sounds correct. It's It's helping your body to produce more of something. Yeah. And so I think there's probably some of them that could be helpful. And then there's probably some of them that you're, that you just got a guy going like the FDA doesn't regulate this. Yeah. I can sell it like vitamin B. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can go get a vitamin B shot from these people too. Yeah. I've gotten those. They did fuck all for me. So I don't That's get them right. anymore. I, they turn my pee green and they hurt. They're really painful. Those vitamin B shots. So like, I'm not interested in a vitamin B shot. And I would be willing to bet many of these peptides are similar to that. You're yeah. just letting somebody stick a needle in you and there's not going to be a huge result. Or if there is a result, it might not be super noticeable. And there's probably some of them where, like, you know, you could get a lot out of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know enough. I don't take peptides and I don't, I'm not opposed to taking them, but I don't know enough about them to go like, I really believe in this peptide and that peptide. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't have that knowledge. I'm sure some of them are beneficial. And then I'm sure a lot of them are a waste of time. I have not heard of anybody having a peptide illness or injury. So right. I think that if your facialist is offering them <laughs> um, along with vitamin B shots and potentially Botox or something like that in the dosage that they're offering them, they're probably harmless or we'd be hearing about all this bad stuff associated with them. Yeah. And I think they're probably not all that beneficial because we're also not hearing about like everybody wants to like, there's a reason so many people are jumping on Ozempic. It's got results. Right. People who are on Ozempic lose weight. Now, some of them also have really awful sounding stomach issues. But like, I, one of my teenage daughters was asking us about Ozempic the other night. And we, we ran down, we were like, well, but you know, we know this person who took it and X, Y, and Z happened to them. And that sounds awful. And, and they were, and they were like, I don't give a shit. I'll take that stomach ache. I want a stomach ache. You know, like some people don't care, but the point is like, 
the majority of people who take that are losing weight. I don't think that's quite the case with peptides. It's not like everybody who's injured their knee and taken some peptide suddenly has a miraculously healed knee. Uh Um, Or everybody who wants to lose fat and not actually change anything in their life, like those who seem to be able to do with Ozempic. Uh Um, It doesn't seem to me to be that they're having that much success that like there's a reason hosts of people are taking Ozempic and Wagovi and stuff like that. And it's because Uh the result that they want is attached to it. Now, I think we'll also find that a lot of those people stop taking it and gain the weight back. And then that'll be a whole cycle too. Um, But while you're taking it, people lose weight. So, so I I haven't been hearing that about peptides and so I've not been super, super interested, but I'm sure they'll find one that does something that everybody experiences and, and then that'll be a thing. And I'm sure when that happens, I'll want to try it. Yeah. Well, yeah. So thank you for that. And it's definitely worth research. And I, I think the point you just made that if my facialist is offering it, it's either insignificant you know what I mean? Like in, yeah. in in both ways, right? Like insignificant, it's not going to do too much harm, but also well, is it going to do that much good? Like it, it yeah, it just warrants but more. But you know, Paige, there could be this extra thing too where like, you know, if there's some placebo effect where you go like, I got this shot, now I have to also do my part mm-hmm. and uh, whatever my part is, is going to yeah. be a little bit more vigorous or rigorous than it had been otherwise there's that too that could be that could be useful you know i i don't think the covid vaccine is god's gift i don't think like you know that um just based on the fact that you could still get and give covid and okay hospitalizations are down that's great but like when covid first happened i just wanted them to just start dosing people with fucking mineral water and telling them it was a cure-all because, and I think that I I actually think this is partially what they did. They said, they looked at it. They said, this does something. Let's just tell everybody it's a hundred percent because you know, some big percentage of people here, it's a hundred percent. And then it has an effect on them through the placebo effect. And so that's like in that way, it's good. I don't yeah. know if there's also harmful stuff in that. I think we might have been better off just with, you know, dosing people with ringer's lactate or something like that. Um, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. But, like, I, I I don't see anything wrong with allowing the placebo effect to happen as long yeah. as it's not secretly harmful. Exactly. Exactly. No, that makes perfect sense. I really personally appreciate this answer. And, uh, you know, maybe we can get a peptide expert on American glutton. Hey, Um, well, okay. The problem with a peptide expert is they tend to be selling peptides. mm, So if we can find a peptide expert who's not selling selling or or hasn't patented some of these peptides, that's the guy to talk to. Got it. Okay, great. Great. Okay, cool. I'm sure your facialist is a peptide expert. Well, now she is. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. She may or may not have given me Botox. I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, yeah, Maybe I that happened too. <laughs> I didn't mean to call you out on that. I just heard like you can go get a facial and a shot of this and a dose oh, yeah. of that. And I'm like, wow, I thought doctors had to do that. But no, apparently no. not. Apparently you can get everything. Anybody you can with just a needle. Fucking cruise around the valley with vials of botulism in your trunk no big deal no big deal nbd and on that note <laughs> if you have a question you would like answered on american glutton you can email it to us it's hello at americanglutton.net thanks for listening to this episode of american glutton i'm ethan suplee you can follow us on instagram at american glutton podcast sincerely <laughs>